Back makes it easy to spend, send, and earn crypto. With Back, you can earn $1 in Bitcoin per day when you pay using your Back card with Apple Pay. Tap into crypto from December 15th through the 24th and score up to $10 in Bitcoin. Terms and conditions apply. Learn more at back.com slash Apple Pay. I'd like to also thank Kraken. With Kraken, you can instantly buy and sell over 50 of the most popular cryptocurrencies or earn additional rewards through their industry-leading staking service. Payouts are twice a week and you can earn up to 20% each year. Visit kraken.com scoop to learn more. Earn more with your crypto on Kava. Kava is a fully integrated decentralized finance platform that puts the power of lending, borrowing, and trading in the hands of users. Find out how you can take control of your crypto and earn industry-leading yields at kava.io today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, Director of News at The Block. And today, joining us on the other side of the mic, he's been here before, Larry Cermak, Vice President of Research here at the firm. Larry, most of the time when you join us, we opine about shifting market dynamics, big headlines. But today, I'm interested to kind of unpack a lot of the business that you're operating here at The Block kind of selfishly, right? You know, we've we've gotten so big over the past year, even over the past six months, a lot of the initiatives that are happening on that side of the firm are kind of, to a large extent, behind a, a big firewall. So on a day-to-day, I don't necessarily get to see exactly what you're working on. So I thought, let's have you on the show to tell our audience in a very transparent way exactly what institutional crypto research looks like and exactly what that business looks like for us. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. And uh, let's talk about it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, a lot has changed this year. Even looking at, you know, the news portion of the site today, we have NYDIG announcing a billion dollar funding round. I saw in Fortune that blockchain.com is looking to raise at a 18 billion plus dollar valuation, which I think is pretty lofty. But um, be that as it may, there's clearly a ton of capital going to the space. And that's been a boon for the demand for institutional research, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. So I think really the biggest change happened this year when when Tesla announced their investment in Bitcoin. That's like that's when everything flipped. Like before that, you know, we would have a lot of crypto funds would be our client, our main clients. Uh, some hedge funds, some smaller companies. Uh, we were all, always a little LARPing about the institutional adoption. All of us were kind of, you know, it's kind of here, but, you know, a little bit. We have some clients, it's institutional research. But everything changed after the Tesla announcement. You know, basically what happened, uh, a lot of companies all of a sudden changed their mandates. And uh, even though some of them maybe didn't end up investing, a lot of them all of a sudden were like, well, we have to learn about what this is all about. We have to know what Bitcoin is. We have to learn a little bit about how this ecosystem works. We have to know more about DeFi, more about L1s. And just because of that kind of almost like a mindset switch, uh, we've gotten a lot of inbound. So uh, as you can imagine, like even before companies figure out what they want to do in crypto, they have to learn about it. They have to figure out how they should approach this. Who should they be asking questions? Uh, and we tend to be one of the better options, luckily. So really, like without actually LARPing that much, our institutional demand has massively exploded this year. 
you know, it's a lot of investment banks, a lot of traditional hedge funds, but it's also a lot of like enterprise companies that all of a sudden just want to learn, like want to kind of inform their employees of like what what is what's going on right now in crypto and how is it shaping up and. That's where we've luckily been able to capture a lot of that market. So you kind of have these three buckets, enterprises, Fortune 1000, 500 companies, maybe investment firms, big banks. You see the shift illustrated in the cap tables. Like if I'm looking at this NYDIG announcement, Bessemer Venture Partners, I haven't really seen them in a lot of crypto deals or Westcap is getting more involved. I feel like these are some of the names that maybe we're hitting you guys yeah. up seven months ago saying, okay, it's time to get ready. And now we're seeing them in the cap tables. Yeah, I would love to flex some names and it would be it would be great. Uh, but unfortunately, like a lot of them, we, we can't disclose. But it's uh, right now, it's, it's most of the investment banks, most of the larger hedge funds, uh, most of the larger private equity firms, a lot of the consultancy firms as well. You know, some of them want smaller engagements. Some of them have the, their entire companies signed up to the, re- to the research portal and getting access. And, and it depends, you know, some of them also do consulting with us, some of them just want to get the information on a daily basis. So it really it really varies quite a bit. And each company has different requirements. Like, for example, we've also done some executive training for some companies. So if someone, uh, you know, just wants to learn more about like how to approach Bitcoin, how to think about what to do in DeFi, how to think about market structure in crypto, what are the largest exchanges, how do derivatives work in crypto? That's something that's requested quite a bit. Uh, so it really varies and, and we're quite flexible in like what we can offer to these companies. So if you think about that big Tesla announcement, which you said was a real game changer for the business, is that when we saw a shift? And this is something I noticed from the day-to-day research content, the sort of parallel to our premium news content that goes out on effectively a daily basis to more consultancy calls, even in your own personal job you went from writing a lot to yeah. now hopping on the phone with clients how did that shift yeah. happen yeah it changed quite a bit like if you think of these like larger hedge funds and, and larger enterprise companies they have their due diligence process so i've sometimes spent you know countless of hours just going through their due diligence questions and making sure that we're compliant with their processes and making sure they can even subscribe to the research that we do and then obviously you know these clients tend to be higher touch so if they want to hop on a call, they want to make sure they have someone that they can reach out to if, if there's some problems or if they have questions that they need to answer quickly because they need to make decisions, we need to be available. So that has changed drastically. You're totally right. Like basically how the business looked before, uh, we had a pretty simple subscription product similar to the News Plus product where we would just give people access and sell it to, you know, based on number of seeds. Now, on top of that, we've developed a lot of like basically side side businesses on, on the research team, which includes consulting, it includes doing due diligence for companies, uh, it includes doing publicly available reports that are commissioned. Uh, and it also, yeah, it includes a whole bunch of other stuff that's kind of not captured in all this, like executive trainings. Uh, so so it just became much, I would say, broader in terms of the offerings that we do. And, you know, the main thing is uh, when, when the year started, we had eight people on the research team. Now we have more than 30 so we now have different teams that focus on specific things. So basically different departments on the research team and, and serving different sort of clients. And some of them don't overlap. Like, for example, if we do due diligence for some exchanges and, and they're reviewing assets before they're listed, that team has to be completely private. It can't really give information to other teams uh, because it, they have information that can potentially, you know, somehow be like misused, uh, if, if you say so. So we have isolated isolated teams as well now. So, yeah. Can you talk about that new 
business that's helping exchanges specifically? What do exchanges leverage the block for in that isolated business unit? Yeah, basically they want us to answer a bunch of questions for them. Like high level, they, they send out a list of like, you know, 30 to 50 questions. Some of them are related to what the project does or the associated people with the project. It can also be related to some security related questions and security meaning security regulations, but sometimes also security as in like, has this protocol ever been hacked in some way? So basically, they just want a third party that's independent to be able to answer questions for them before they consider listing assets. So as you can imagine, like a lot of these exchanges that work, especially the larger ones like you know Binance, FTX, they have a lot of inbound for new assets. And even Coinbase, I mean, recently they've started listing tens of new assets each week. Uh, they have a lot of inbound of, of projects that apply to be listed. Uh, and before they can do that, they have a bunch of things that they have to do before they're eligible. That includes doing due diligence. It includes other things like having enough liquidity, having market makers that can provide some of that liquidity early on. And so we've been able to step in and, and uh, provide some of these services for some exchanges. And again, we can't really name which ones. I know that data has obviously been a big focus. The dashboard is, without shilling it too much, probably one of the most popular destinations for crypto enthusiasts out of all the services I can think of. How much of that do you think is like a big business opportunity versus marketing, right? Because if you think about data in crypto, so much of of the on-chain data is free. So why pay for that data if you can just get it somewhere else? Yeah, exactly. Like for us right now, the dashboard is completely free. So we don't charge any of it. Uh, We have small ads on top right corner, just like a small monetization thing. But generally, we use it as marketing, exactly like you said. It's uh, time and time again, it has turned out to be one of the most efficient uh, ways to get larger clients on. So for example, as silly as it sounds, this free product that's available for everyone, uh, some larger company sees it and they're like, okay, well, if these guys can put together a product like this, maybe they're going to be reliable enough for us to do this research assignment. And that has happened multiple times. You know, obviously we've seen a dashboard quoted uh, in, in the SEC's documents, CFTC's documents, in congressional hearings. It just became this like really powerful free resource that people can go to. And for us to monetize it right now would be almost silly, right? Like if we ever monetize at some point in the future, it would just be like small parts of it. But we want for most of the dashboard to remain free because it generates a lot of users, generates a lot of interest. And it's also powerful for us uh, for the research that we do, right? Like we t- we don't have to repull data constantly. We can just go on the dashboard, reference it. We can lead more clients to it. And I'm sure you guys on the new site find it helpful as well. Yeah, it's extremely helpful. And I remember when it was coming together, that was like the big bonus for us, right? Instead of having to screenshot charts from other players, yeah. we could just go right on site embed it. But it's funny to hear that a lot of large clients are coming to the block from the dashboard. They see, you know, open interest in Bitcoin futures. They love the chart. They think you're reliable. Then they reach out. What are some of the, what are like the two biggest questions a very early stage entrant to the crypto market is asking the block research? Well, like related to the data, I think like what's something that's not that well understood about crypto data is that it's completely scattered all over the place. So you look at like all these sources and in the dashboard, we have 200 plus charts and we use probably 30 plus different data providers. Uh, In the traditional world, this is like completely unheard of, right? Like you have Bloomberg and you have a few data providers and everything is in one place. Um, So that's what these companies are used to. They're used to seeing one resource and they want to get data all in one place. And, And basically... Because there's so many data sources and because it's difficult for them to understand, 
they want someone to tell them, you know, this is what matters. These are the exchanges that are legitimate. These are the, these are the futures exchanges that we should be watching. Uh, this is the on-chain data that matters for our researchers. They want someone to be able to kind of handhold them initially and tell them, this is what we pay attention to. Maybe you should as well. And those tend to be a lot of the early questions is like, you know, what are the data providers that we should be paying attention to? Like, what are some metrics that you guys watch on a daily basis to get a better sense of like how healthy the crypto industry is as a whole? And then we get a lot of questions just generally about like how they should be thinking about their strategy in crypto. Like, should they be getting more involved related to their business lines? It, it really varies quite a bit. And then that's like one of the most exciting parts about this job is that you constantly get different requests. Some of these companies are more interested in DeFi and participating in some of the early DeFi protocols. Some of them are purely interested in how they can capture some of the some of the market of just like Bitcoin buying and, and Bitcoin as a hedge. Uh, and then we have some companies that are completely inter- just interested in gaming, for example, or NFTs, and you don't care about anything else. So it, it really varies quite a bit. And that's also why, like on the research team, we've we've basically started to specialize. So when we bring on researchers, we don't really bring on generalists anymore. We bring on people that have expertise in some area. So right now when we're hiring, of course, like for interns, it's not really the case, but when we're hiring research analysts, we're looking for people with specific expertise. So recently we've hired uh, a couple of people for just NFTs, as ridiculous as it sounds. We have people analyzing the NFT markets uh, because these are multi-billion dollar businesses now. OpenSea's valued at you know, 10 plus billion dollars and making hundreds of millions of dollars a year we have to adjust and that's why we've specialized so we have people that focus only on DeFi, only on l1s only on nfts and we will keep doing that as the space just keeps getting wider and broader how much of the ebbs and flows of the day-to-day market translate into the inquiries that you're getting do you see sometimes and and you know <laughs> without disparaging them too much but is there a degree of fomo like when you see the metaverse coin surge like we saw earlier or late last month did you have clients reaching out trying to understand what was going on or are they a little bit ahead of the curve or a little bit more behind the curve yeah they're almost always behind the curve i don't really want to uh trash talk any clients that we have but most of the time they come to us because they are trying to understand something better and exactly like you said you know they will see something like completely popping off like the metaverse coins or they'll see the meme coins and they'll just be like i don't understand this like i thought DeFi was going to be the next thing DeFi is not doing well right now and meme coins are going up and metaverse coins are going up. Like, how should we be thinking about this? That's very often the question that we get. But you're totally right. Like when someone's thinking about like, you know, is this something that I should be doing or is this something I'm missing out on? Is this something where I'm maybe missing something about Dogecoin or why it's so popular? They generally go to us and they ask us these questions. And so with a lot of these firms, we have, you know, bi-weekly calls, for example, where we have a few of the research guys on and answer some of these questions. And sometimes it's just like simple, super simple questions like that. Like, where do you see the most potential? Like, what are some areas that you guys, you know, are bullish about? And it's not even related to price. It's more so about the development. Uh, like the way that I sometimes pitch the research team is like, you know, we have 30 guys on the team and, you know, they're go- they're active on Twitter, they're active on Discord, they're active on all these different channels where you can now get information about crypto like, there's just no way you can do that as a one or two person team. It's just zero chance, right? Like, we have 30 guys. All of them are basically, all of them are full time. Most of them are doing this 24 7, and we're, we still miss stuff sometimes just because there's so many different things going on at the same time. So, if you really want to have a comprehensive look on, on, on what's going on, um, generally just engaging with the research firm, not even saying with us, uh, is a good idea. So, when we saw the meme coins surging, like, are they asking, you mentioned, like, am I missing something about Dogecoin? Are they asking about, like, 
the token model that underpins it, the origin story, how granular do they get? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just very broad, like, you know, what, what should I be thinking about this? And sometimes it is granular. It's like, you know, was there some announcement that I missed? Or like, was there a hard fork that started all of this? And, and generally, we're just like, no, like, this is this is just a sentiment-driven thing. But they do sometimes ask, like, really granular questions. Like, was there a catalyst that, that started all of this? Like, is there something that I could have watched a little bit closer so I don't miss stuff like this in the future? But, you know, just in general, like Dogecoin is just one example. Most of the time, the vast majority of questions are about Bitcoin, Ethereum, and L1s and L2s. Uh, those are the ones that institutional investors are by far the most interested in. When Loomdart came on the show last week, he said that he thinks the metaverse, Facebook's rebranding effort hijacked the narrative. And <laughs> so then we saw the metaverse take off. And now things are all kind of like sideways. <laughs> what are you telling clients about that? So Metaverse takes off, everything kind of goes up, and now we're like running. It's like kind of bearish, but the sentiment seems bearish. But then I looked this morning and prices were up like 1%. <laughs> yeah, prices are up 2%. It's all good. I mean, it, it really depends. I mean, the, the Metaverse thing is like one example of a really irrational market, right? Like Facebook announced that they're changing their name like two weeks before. And then once they made the name change official, that's when everything started pumping. So something like, you know, Sand or, or other Decentraland and, and some of these coins, they saw almost no rise in price since the official announcement. But when they changed the name officially, that's when everything kicked off. So a lot of these are just like, you know, these are momentum things also going on. So, you know, for example, you get one large investor that allocates a lot of money that kicks off some sort of like a bullish trend. And then more people are like, OK, maybe I'll try to chase this as well. And it just comp just keeps compounding. But I guess like one of the one of the things that we tell people is like, Crypto is a very sentiment-driven market, and it's it's not like inequities a lot of the times. It's it's very much about like early narratives, early beliefs, communities, uh, and that tends to be like a little harder for some people to understand. Like obviously, it's a little similar with something like Tesla or some other kind of meme equities almost. But yeah, like this this is something that they they care about. They want to think about like how can I value Bitcoin? Like what are some metrics that I should be watching to kind of be able to value it? And we, we tell them a lot of the time is like, it's difficult to value it. Like a lot of these are trailing metrics. Like price is usually the, the first thing that, that determines like the activity and stuff. It's, it's not that on-chain activity picks up and then price all of a sudden, like people notice and then price pumps up. It, it's more about the general macro environment, general narrative setting. And a lot of it, a lot of it, obviously, massively Bitcoin as well, is very speculative. It's, it's, a, it's about what do other people think about this? And you know, that's what kind of drove the, the last rallies that a lot of people like changed their mind on it when they saw what was happening in the macro world with, with central banks overall and with, with the overall macro. Uh, and then they just changed their mind on a lot of these things. You saw a lot of these large investors just completely flip on Bitcoin. That keeps happening. Well, it seems like the two worlds are becoming more and more like each other. If you think about the market yesterday, meme stocks took the biggest tumble falling to the lowest level of months with AMC and GameStop kind of leading the charge there amid yes. that broader market sell-off. So to a degree, this whole market seems to be more interconnected than than before. Yeah, it definitely is more than more than before. But it's still like like crypto almost works like this as a whole. Like a, there's not a lot of uh, fundamental movement. I think fundamentals matter over the long term, but short term. Uh, it's almost a fool's game to try to chase a lot of these like pumps and a lot of these narratives. It's all, almost always better to focus on one underlying thesis that you have of what will happen in the future and then focus on that. 
And and eventually, I think we talked about this before, but eventually all this converges. Like the good projects and, and eventually even the meme coins, like they will they will very likely correct at some point. Uh, and, and eventually you'll have you have value actually going into fundamentals and, and not necessarily into just sentiment. But but sentiment drives short term and that's where a lot of the narratives come from. You'll probably have a dichotomy where you have not a speculative driven crypto market and a fundamentals driven equity market, but a crypto and equity markets where certain coins and stocks are driven by fundamentals and certain coins and stocks are driven by speculative momentum. Yeah, yeah for sure. So AMC, Dogecoin in one camp and yeah. maybe Bitcoin and a more blue chip stock in the other camp. But honestly, with the presence of, of this legion of new meme traders, no one is really safe from being like pumped, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's like trading meme stocks just or meme, meme tokens like has a lot of risk, right? Like we saw Suzu from Three Arrows saying that Dogecoin is going to go to $1 a few months ago. And, and now it's gone from 80 cents to about like 20 cents or something. So it's ruthless, right? Like you're speculating, you're kind of hoping that more people will buy. And, and that's why... We don't really focus on it, honestly, too much on the research side. Like, it's kind of a fun way to think about it because it demonstrates how the how the market kind of works. But but just generally, you know, there's not much to analyze. Like, generally on the research team, we try to focus on on the actual innovating stuff that's happening. We try to focus a lot on the data, a lot on just educating these new entrants so they don't fall into these narrative traps. Like we talked about this before as well. But you look at like all the news. Uh, articles and 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 they tend to focus on the most ridiculous stuff, right? Like if you mm-hmm. remember the there was this uh, this Korean TV show and then and, and there was a coin named after that TV show and it pumped massively and then it rocked and you saw you know twenty thirty articles about that stupid mm-hmm. thing, but then you don't see people focusing on the actual real developments that are happening, actual real innovation that's happening, you know, on the on the base layer, uh, in the layer twos and just in general like. There's a lot of new stuff coming out constantly, and it's very undercovered by the by the mainstream because they just view it as too niche. You might be in the middle of a shopping scramble for last minute gifts and thinking, wouldn't it be nice to buy some of them with crypto? Well, your time has come. Before you make your next purchase, consider Backed. Backed makes it easy to spend crypto, and today through December 24th, you can earn $1 in Bitcoin each day you pay using the back card with Apple Pay. Not to mention you can load your back card with crypto and use some of that virtual value for holiday gifting. Earn crypto when you pay using the back card with Apple Pay from December 15th through the 24th and score up to $10 in Bitcoin rewards for twice the nice. Terms and conditions apply. Learn more at back.com slash Apple Pay. For the last 10 years, Kraken has been known as one of the best platforms for trading crypto online. Now with the new Kraken app, it's easier than ever to buy and sell over 60 of the most popular cryptocurrencies on the go 24-7. Simply download the Kraken app, connect your bank account, and start investing for as little as $10. Just a minute is all it takes to get started. Are you ready to take your crypto earnings to the next level? Kava is a fully integrated decentralized finance platform that combines institutional-grade security and user-driven design. 
lend, borrow, and trade your crypto all in one seamless experience. Find out how you can take control of your crypto and earn industry-leading reward APYs at kava.io today. So what do you think your priorities are going to be going into 2022? And do you have any, we can start with priorities for the business and then maybe we can, we can unpack maybe some of the predictions you have. Yeah. So priorities for the business would be to continue being the go-to research company for Wall Street, for traditional companies, you know, be the professional go-to that, that we can, we can continue serving these clients well. Another big goal for me will be to continue with recruiting. We didn't touch on this too much, but like <laughs> it's incredibly difficult to hire really talented people and then be able to retain them. It, it's been one of my primary goals uh, this year as well. And we're doing really well in this area and we have a very good hiring funnel. But just in general, like as you know, when you compete against funds, when you compete against token projects, when you compete against pretty much anyone with like infinite amount of resources, it's difficult to retain people. You have to very much focus on the culture of the, of the company, the culture of the team, you know, doing what you actually enjoy. So a big goal for me and uh, running the research team is to put people in positions where they do what they actually enjoy, where they focus on stuff that they really like. So if we have someone that loves DeFi, I want him to focus on DeFi because the content is then better. And also the person is happier. Uh, and when you go to a fund or you go to a token project, you end up doing a lot of stuff that you don't necessarily enjoy that much. So we have that benefit going for us, but it's still it's still difficult. And, and th that's definitely one of my primary goals as well. And then in general, just to, to grow the data offering, like to make it even more compelling, that, that is definitely something that I want to focus a lot of my time on. So let me double click on that. I kind of alluded to it in the previous question about the dashboard and thinking about its its value. Is there a potentiality for the company to really dive deeper into data in a way that can kind of transform the business in a very real sense, but also, you know, that's going to be helpful for potential sort of the, the, the potential value, right? Where the, where that sort of ceiling is for the value of the firm. But what type of like other ways can you repackage the data and and then create other offerings from that? Yeah, well, you know, we're never going to compete against uh, the, the proper data firms, right? Like someone like Coinmetrics or someone like, Crypto Compare or Kaiko, you know, the companies that focus on providing data sets through APIs to clients, we're, we don't want to compete on that. The market is already pretty saturated and it's a difficult market to be in. What we want to co compete in is, is insights on these data sets, like being able to tell people this is what actually matters. Like this is the index that we're watching that matters. And then being able to get clients and, and grow that offering is really important to us. So that's going to be the main focus is just to professionalize it, let, give people more flexibility of what they can do with the data. So, for example, compare it with a different data set. Like right now, the dashboard is super simple. It basically just shows you these data sets uh, and you can you can look at different time frames, but it doesn't give you the chance to, for example, compare to a Bitcoin price or compare to this other metric that we have in the dashboard. So just more flexibility, uh, more insights. And then also one thing that we're great at that other companies can compete on is we have guys on the team, uh, on the data team, on the research side, we have guys that can write queries, for example, for, for certain things that you just don't find data on. So for example, we would go do an analytics uh, and a client tells us, you know, pull this, you know, supply of this 
big token for us uh, over the last three years, and we can do it because we have guys that can write these queries, and we can we can do it on multiple different you know data companies or data providers. So that's really where our strength is in, into customizing the data offering, providing context, uh, and be able to tell people what actually what we think matters and what doesn't. I want to turn to your predictions. I was looking at mine from last year, and I don't think I. <laughs> I think the only one I got right was M&A and Venture, but it wouldn't take it. You know, a monkey could have figured that one out. Um, I thought that there'd be a wave of delistings of certain coins. Mm. Oh, that didn't happen. In the wake of XRP, the exact opposite happened. Yeah. So uh, yeah. potential clients. Well, I think a lot of people uh, don't, don't take that. Take that with a grain of salt. I think a lot of people might have thought that. And that's what some people were saying, right? Like, you know, could they look at Stellar and XRP and, or um, coins that look like XRP? Yeah. So anyway, but that clearly like the exact opposite happened. If anything, we saw maybe companies just looking more closely, but also listing more. Right. So maybe yeah. they were doing a bit more due diligence, but that didn't really slow them down in terms of listing of the actual tokens. So that was the big one I was wrong on. What are you expecting for 2022? Yeah, I think uh, one thing I'm really expecting, and I, this has also become a little bit of a meme, but I do think that Layer 2, specifically ZK Rollups, will be the theme of next year. Hopefully I'm not wrong on the timing. I mean, it always these things, as you know, always tend to get delayed. I thought the same about Optimistic Rollups last year and ended up being delayed until like July or something, and they still don't have incredible amount of traction. But I do think ZK Rollups, in particular StarkNet and, and ZK, Sync, ZK Sync probably as well, will be the solution that ends up making the most sense. While saying that, I also believe that there's going to continue being a market for these alternative base layer scaling solutions like Solana, uh, like Avalanche, like some other ones. But I do think that there's going to be a big development in layer twos next year. Optimism is just now starting to get some traction. You have the first first like proper uh, decentralized applications launching on these chains, not just built for Ethereum, but built already for the layer twos. So, so I think that will be the, the, the main theme of, ne of next year when it comes to this perspective. Uh, I also think that there's still going to be a big demand for NFTs and for, for gaming uh, tokens in general. I think a lot of it right now, obviously, has gone down a lot. Like NFT attention has gone down significantly. You have even punks are crashing. Uh, punks right now are like 70 ETH floor or something like that. They used to be probably five times more or something like that. And now all that is crashing. I think, you know, maybe some of the profile uh, NFTs are not going to be as hot next year. But I think some of the more creative ones and in-game assets of proper games, not the bullshit like you know, click-based games that all look terrible, all look the same. I think we're going to see some of that next year. Uh, and I think, you know, NFT trend will come back. Like everyone's saying that, you know, it was a short-term thing. I mean, I, I thought the same in March and then it went up again and then outperformed everything. So I'm, I'm not worried about that. Uh, but I think it's going to be more sophisticated. It's not going to be a lot of these like super simple cash grabs like we've seen, almost similar to ICOs. So those will be my two biggest go-tos but yeah what are some of yours maybe i'll remember some other ones that i have yeah well if i think about going into 2022 i think the venture i think you're going to see like the proliferation of you're going to start to see capital deploy from the t dozens of small 50 million to 100 million dollar venture firms that have been announced over the past few weeks so 
I expect you're going to see way more names in the space, a whole entire new wave of crypto entrepreneurs in gaming, in Web3, in NFTs. And it's going to be pretty unique. We could either see like a rewrite of 2017 where there's just like a bunch of nonsense companies launching, you know, just saying we're doing this on the blockchain, or it will be the actual age of decentralized Uber making sense or decentralized, you know, anything sort of coming into the fold. So because it's funny, like if you remember like the ICO boom, that's what like all of these companies that were like shilling, shilling me were were doing. It was like, we're going to do this, but on the blockchain. But now there's all this capital who are actually looking to back projects that are kind of operating in in that space, like the, you know, whether it's Web3 or sort of the new new economy of, of the world and how it's working. Yeah, I think that's definitely possible. And like we've already, it's kind of absurd to see how much capital is right now still on the sidelines, right? Like you constantly see these like announcements of like, you know, this fund raised another couple of billion dollars for, for their crypto fund. And you sort of think like, where is this getting deployed into? Like there isn't that many projects that are coming out. And, you know, I constantly see these projects like raising at 50 million plus pre-product valuation, sometimes hitting 100 million these days. Luckily, there's been a little bit of a pullback, so I think that's going to calm down again. But it's almost absurd, right? Like, it's gotten to a point where some projects have actually chose to not raise from VC companies. They quite literally just raise from angel investors. Uh, and they raise that, you know, they, they raise, you know, 50 to 100K each uh, because people just, you know, angel investors in general can afford it now. A lot of people made a lot of money and now they're starting to deploy. So there's basically infinite amount of capital that's being deployed. And these tokens are about to hit the market within like a year or something. So think of like so much of new tokens are going to be coming in. Some of them good, some of them bad. But there's this always freaks me out a little bit when you think about like all the new stuff coming in. And there's a limited amount of capital that you have. So if, if you spread all this capital, like, you know, and I'm talking about retail capital and the, the capital that's ready to deploy on the secondary markets, not on the race side, you're dealing with a relatively limited amount of capital that's going to deploy it. And then what happens when there's a little pullback, right? Like there's almost no liquidity on some of these coins. And that's why when there's a pullback, you see 60, 70% drops in some of these low liquidity shit coins. Uh, mm-hmm. And then that will likely keep happening. Because I think like another interesting thing that we didn't touch on is that, you know, there's some retail interest, but it isn't that much. It's like comparable to 2017. And it's still not in, you know, hundreds of millions of people. It's in tens of millions maximum. And because of that, you know, you are running into issues that like some of these people don't want to actually touch these things on the secondary market. And once they list, they will not perform that well. The other thing that I think I predicted somewhat wrongly, although there has been a lot of M&A, well, I can't remember exactly what my prediction was, but one thing that we didn't really see this year which I also don't think we'll see in the first half of next year is consolidation among large players in the space. I think the one example from this year was BitGo and Galaxy, which hasn't even happened yet and has been pushed back already from this quarter to next quarter. When, you know, firms that were doing really poorly in the bear market 2018, 2019, you know, Circle comes to mind, right? They were looking potentially at an acquisition possibility or to be acquired rather, they now are either going to tap the SPAC market or if they want to go out and raise, I have no question that they'd have zero problem doing so. And so, yeah, you know, you have all these exchanges, all of these, you know, you know, there's still, I think even into the next, if I were to be bold, I'd say one, two years beyond, 
it's still going to be, you're still going to have a Kraken, a Binance US, an FTX, a Coinbase, yeah. and that consolidation is not going to happen anytime soon with all that capital. Yeah, it's absolutely not going to happen. And then you, exactly because of what you mentioned, is like every, if everyone wants to raise, even if they're unprofitable, right now they have unlimited amount of capital lined up to invest in them. I mean, now they're, it's so bad that they're now crypto funds, they're fighting for these allocations and they're having trouble securing good companies. So they end up spraying bad companies as well. So I think within a foreseeable future, like the next six to 12 months, there's going to be zero issues with raising capital uh, for any like decently good idea. And if there is already an established exchange or established data business, and it just needs a little bit of cash to raise, they're never going to have issues. That Those things will happen again if the market like significantly slows down and the funds get kind of freaked out a bit about deploying their capital. But I, I don't think that that's going to happen any, anytime soon. Uh, and I, I think that the market will continue doing okay as long as the macro environment is is also in good shape. Yeah, and that's the one thing hanging over our our heads. Well, Larry, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show to chat with us about what's going on over at the Block Research. I think you have a big report coming out. So what's what's yeah. going on there? Well, the report is out as of you guys listening, uh, and it's the report on our outlook for this upcoming year. So basically what we did is we looked at all the stuff that happened this year and then all the stuff that we think will happen next year and write some thoughts about it. And since we now have a pretty big team, you know, pretty much everyone contributed in some way. Uh, it's it's out already. So you guys can find it on the blockcrypto.com and read through it. It's about 150 pages, but a lot of charts, a lot of a lot of grabs, a lot of infographics. It's It should be just good to to just go through briefly and, and also share with people that are curious about crypto. It's, it's, it's a really good primer. Yeah, I'll be uh, digging in deep. On my, I'll be in the air, I think, but I'll, I'll be checking that out for sure. Larry, thanks again so much for coming on the show. Do you want to plug maybe some of the roles, open roles you have right now? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so we're always hiring for new research analysts. Like if you're interested in any of the areas that we talked about, please reach out to me. You can reach me at Twitter or just email me at Larry at theblockcrypto.com. The most critical roles that we have right now are for the reports team. So if you guys are interested in producing these long-form reports and spending a couple of months on each topic, uh, please reach out. We have a few openings there as well. But in general, basically, we're hiring for all the positions right now. The research team will hopefully be more than 60 people by this time next year. Great. Well, thank you again, Larry, for coming on the show. Folks, we will see you for our big finale of the year with FTX's Sam Bankman-Fried. Take it easy.